Looking for your next TV show or movie to binge? Well, buckle up, grab the remote, and settle into your couch for this special edition of Crossing the Streams. We're here to help you tune in and get the most out of those 50 monthly streaming channels you're currently paying for. So without any further ado, here's your host of Crossing the Streams, Jeff Dwoskin. Hey, it is I, Jeff Dwoskin, host of Crossing the Streams, and of course, your beloved host of Classic Conversations, coming to you on this wonderful Thursday with a bonus episode with segments pulled from my live show, Crossing the Streams, that we do every Wednesday, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, live on the YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Follow along, comment along. What is Crossing the Streams? Well, we answer the universal question. What should I be streaming next? You need something to binge? You've come to the right place. We cover all things new and old, really old, very obscure. 85 hours waiting for you on our YouTube channel. Link in the story notes. In this episode, we're getting musical. On my last interview show on Classic Conversations, the same week that this is released, Bruce Ferber was a guest. He wrote a book called I Buried Paul, which dives into his love of music and the Beatles, Beatles tribute bands. So for this episode, we're getting back to, we're getting back to episode 51. Howard Rosner did an amazing review of the Beatles Get Back. You'll hear a lot of the Crossing the Streams hosts chiming in during the Get Back review. We were all real excited about this one. And then we're diving back even further. Episode 34 with Music Box Woodstock 99. Also led by Roz. This is a full-on Roz episode. All music based. and You're going to love it. Let's get things started with Get Back. Take it away, Roz. The Beatles Get Back. So, first of all, before I begin, just I don't want to provide a sp- coming out. Raj, you're breaking up, buddy. Breaking up. It's because oh, he was going to give us a spoiler. <laughs> so, while Rosner's uh, figuring it out, he's having technical difficulties. <laughs> might have to do get back. Uh, we can do so. it together, Jeff, because I, I friggin' love this. So, get back is. Um, I got, I'm stuck. Yeah, I'm back. So this movie is, so yeah, the spoiler was uh, shortly after the footage was filmed from this movie, the Beatles broke up. So I'm uh, sorry for that spoiler, wow. but it was, oh, man. It was, 50, <laughs> I'm only it was like 52 years ago. Get over it. This movie, for those who haven't watched it or aren't, and you did mention it briefly, but I'll also just mention it because I know, I believe she has tuned in upstairs. My wife, I'm a big Beatles fan. My wife is an enormous Beatles fan. And I proposed to my wife just over three years ago in the childhood bedroom of John Lennon on a private Beatles tour in Liverpool. Uh, which is wow. one of the most fascinating things we've ever done, aside from the fact that we got engaged. Creepy, um, yet so, uh, so we watched this. Um, okay, so the backstory for those who haven't seen it of what this is. So it's 1969. The Beatles are right toward the end. They've struggled. Their manager, Brian Epstein, had passed away. They have struggled creatively and personality-wise. They've decided not to play live shows anymore and focus just on their music. And what they the decision they made was they were going to film them creating the music for their next album. And as part of filming that, they were going to film it for a TV show that would basically be a documentary leading to a live performance of the new music. 
catch of it is because of uh, scheduling, uh, Ringo Starr is going to uh, be in a musical. They have three weeks to create the album and film everything. Three weeks. They start out recording at a place called Twickenham, which was the soundstage where they were going to rehearse for the musical, uh, which is a huge space. They have nothing, really. They're a blank slate, but they they start immediately just writing songs. So the end result of this... So let, real quick, they begin kind of day by day by day going through music and i'll have a i have a bunch of notes here that I, I wanted to share on it after i believe the third or fourth day because of some issues george harrison says well see you around the clubs lads i'm out of here basically saying i'm done i'm out of the band and they actually show his journal that he wrote in that day saying left the beatles went home so now they're filming this. They don't know if they're going to have George back. They end up talking George into coming back. They switch locations to their brand new Apple Studios, which is a much better location for them, as it turns out. goes on a little longer than three weeks, as it turns out. The end result is during these film sessions, over three, three and a half weeks, they basically create the entirety of the Let It Be album and two-thirds of Abbey Road, which for me, being a big music fan, I personally believe Abbey Road is the single greatest piece of music ever put onto an album. It's a perfect album without any question. The way they go about writing music is, is fascinating. So again, just these are my notes that I kind of made that I just wanted to talk about. It's almost eight hours, which yeah, it's Peter Jackson. It's going to be extra long. You know, that's the case. The number one thing, though, is the renovation or however you call it of the footage that they did for this movie. I swear to me and Jeff, Jen, I know you watched it. Parts of it look like it was shot on an iPhone. It's yeah. so oh, realistic. Really. You're like, that looks like there. it's a stage show out like on the other side of my living room. It's remarkably clear and uh, it's it's amazing. That was the first thing. Technically, it's it's an incredible documentary. You really see watching this, you can tell, okay, this the Beatles were at an end. There was clearly an end point. And I thought it was fascinating that, you know, the the narrative for 52 years or 50 years has been Yoko. It was all because of Yoko. And Yoko was a factor, certainly, but there were significant other factors you could see. George is absolutely done he says at one point he's like paul you know just tell me what to play I'll, I'll play it or i won't play it whatever you want i don't care i'll go home it's okay he's clearly done and wants to do his own thing ringo is just like whatever just i'll sit here and play drums i'm in the background john is with yoko she's my wife looked at me and and said what if i came to your job and sat two feet away from you the entire time because she's never more than five feet. It was away like from awkward. Like it, it felt was. awkward. It's really uncomfortable. It's a like, meme. Jesus. It said Yoko Ono was every girlfriend ever at an open mic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could imagine that. So, uh, so that you you see that, but but again, they're clearly at the end, and you know, Paul is real serious about the business. Hey, my apologies. We got to take a quick break. And we're back. Roz is about to dive into George Harrison. 
George is upset because they had been really getting screwed on their record contracts with EMI and not making the money they deserved. So, so there's that. The other thing, uh, another thing that amazed me was their level of musical genius. Like, you know, we know they're musical genius. They created genres of styles of music that are copied by everybody to this day. But the ability they had to write music, I mean, there's just sitting there on one of the days while they're taking a break and you just, it's just about two minutes of Paul strumming his guitar and mumbling and he's mumbling and it becomes get back. Like in two minutes of just strumming his guitar, mumbling, and then it, it like, that's like, oh my God, George comes in, in first thing in the morning after one night. And he's like, I was watching this science fiction show last night and then at one part they were it was like an austrian viennese waltz and i wrote this song and it's i me mine which is one of my favorite beatles songs like hidden gem non-hit beatles songs but he just it came to him because he was watching a science fiction movie that had a viennese waltz and he wrote i me mine like it's insane like hey i was watching tv and i just uh, i wrote this <laughs> yeah that's, 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 if you I guys mean, are just, are all howard stern fans i know jeff you are we've talked about howard stern a lot but, Paul, I'm a um, huge fan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when he has you know Paul on there and he he dissects the songs and loves to yeah. talk about how he how he creates the songs, I find it fascinating. Yep, and this was too. actually like taking it a step further because you're watching the conversations they're having. And I've only I I just started it last night, but just to see how how the music is composed as they're actually it's happening, it's not even yeah. just a story, and you're not relying on Paul's memory of how it happened was super fascinating to me. Well, and uh, I'll send you guys an article. Uh, I was going to talk about this before the show, but I uh, I came across a webpage that has all 123. This is why I watched the documentary a second time, because it's got a list of all 123 songs, including the improvs that they play during the course of the movie. Not all Beatles songs, obviously. It's a bunch of covers that they do just for fun. Just amongst the songs, like that they were just noodling on at some point, like in the first two minutes of the song or of the documentary, John is playing a song uh, called on the road to Marrakesh, which became jealous guy. Uh, one of his best solo songs Love years song. later, Paul is noodling on the piano at one point and no words. It's another day, which was one of his best solo songs. Um, song. He's got, he's doing another song. Uh, George is, He's like, I got one. It's called All Things Must Pass, which became the name of his first out solo album and one of the so tracks on the solo album. There's another one where I didn't, I had no clue. It didn't, I didn't notice it until I re read this article and we rewatched it. He's playing the piano part for a song. I think it was called Song of Love. And the piano part is essentially the opening of Maybe I'm Amazed. I'm like, what? And I had to go back and watch that. I'm like, I didn't even notice that. The amount of music that came out of this, I mean, again, let it be and Abbey Road came out of this. The other thing that I found amazing was the quote unquote fifth Beatle. Uh, the only other musician to be credited on a Beatles album was Billy Preston, who they were so struggling and so stuck. And they had piano parts and songs. And they invited Billy to come and sit in with them. And within five minutes of his being there, the whole room lit up with his piano playing and what it added to the music. It was it was just like lifting a weight off their shoulders creatively was such a huge help. That was amazing. 
And then the other thing that came out of it for me was even with all the issues with the band, even though it was near the end, even though, I mean, John and Yoko were pretty much on heroin at this point in time. And in, even with everything going on, the, the most pure thing to me in this movie, though, was when John and Paul started playing music together like not going back and forth, but even just some of the times they would launch into stuff together, you could see them smile and how much a lifetime, and I said lifetime, they weren't that old, but um, you know, a dozen years or so at this point in time of being best friends and playing music together at the level of genius they were, they loved it. And you could see that like when they started playing, they loved it. And then of course, as I think um, a lot of people may know, this documentary, they decided they would do it as a feature film. And what ended up as the live performance was they ended up doing the famous rooftop recordings at Apple Studios. And the footage from that was amazing. The hidden camera in the office of the cops complaining about the noise and the interviews with a bunch of people at street level. So I cannot, if you are at all interested in the Beatles, I cannot highly recommend uh -huh. this enough. It's eight hours about, but... I thought it was riveting beginning to end, just seeing four absolute creative geniuses at in this level of detail in their prime. It, I thought it was incredible. I loved it. Do they have anything in there? Because I can't wait to watch it. Do they have anything in there about some of the things like how they got their name, the Beatles or the Apple label or anything like that, like an inside scoop on anything that. No, the, there's, um, there is a nice little couple, just it's really slides at the beginning that kind of lay out a quick little history of how they got to this point, but it's not the dot. It's really just the footage from what became known as the get back sessions, which were 19 January of 1969. So yeah, that's, that's really all it is. They don't go into, which is also one of the fascinating things because the story of their background in Hamburg and all that stuff that's been done so many times and done well, but this is just footage from these sessions and it's, it's great. They do just enough Sal in the beginning to fast forward you through their story to get you to the point in time of this, the right. timeline of where this Got movie it. takes place. Got so like the first say seven minutes. Got yeah, it. yeah I think it's John and Paul singing. Is it two of us? Is that the name of the song? Like in the beginning where they're going back and forth? Yes. Yeah. That was that was unbelievable. Um oh. yeah, George clearly he's done the last place he wanted to be. Yeah. It's eight hours, but it came from like 60 hours of like unseen wow. footage. So why, why they wait so long to release something like that? There was, was my question. There was a movie called Let It Be done years ago that I guess Ringo hates. I don't think it's that they waited. I think they made that movie and then this footage hasn't been seen. Right. Yeah. They scrapped they, they, the project. They said it was, yeah. in, it was in a vault for, for forever. Yeah. It was just in a vault. So they, and then they, Peter Jackson pulled it out and created this story from it. It is his version of the story from the footage. So, you know, we don't know. But the movie, but the movie was produced by, I mean, Paul and Ringo and uh, the Lennon and Yoko was involved with the production of it as well. So right. they were consulted on it. Definitely. I think he, I don't think I haven't seen any of them say, well, that's just one side of the story. I mean, it's, it's out there. I mean, it's not no, no. I just mean like, you don't know what they like. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Maybe Ringo talked in the first hour and a half. You don't know how it was edited. Right? They didn't yeah. show him talking. He, like, I, like, I was like, damn, Ringo can really sit in a chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's funny what you, you mentioned uh, 
their influence. There's a classic scene in the movie Yesterday, which is about a movie. It's like a fantasy movie where something happens in the world and the Beatles don't exist and only one person remembers them. And he right. starts singing their songs. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Famous. I love, I the, did like that movie. I yeah, didn't I think it took, it. I don't think it went far enough. Like they could have gotten, but it was, I thought it was a great movie. Yeah, it was really fun. And, uh, but the, the funny joke in that is he goes to Google and he types in uh, the band, uh, was it Oasis? Yeah. And like, is that the band? And Oasis doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah it doesn't exist. <laughs> so influenced he also typed in Harry Potter. It didn't exist either. Right. That was like the end. And he goes, hmm. Yeah. That's <laughs> so funny. that's yeah, true. But yeah, this is, if you like this and if you like more about the music, Jen, you mentioned McCartney 321 on Hulu, which is, uh, it's about a six hours of with Paul McCartney talking to Rick Rubin. Is a great documentary as well. That was he has a book out too, doesn't he? Just have a book out about how he wrote his like about his songs. Is is how he came up with all the songs, or not all of them, but some of them. I think that's what he was promoting on uh, Um, Howard. No, that'd be amazing. It's uh, it it is. It's just superb. It's I was surprised by you know they did it um, in three. They released it in three consecutive days, so it was you know basically two plus hours each day, which was great for Thanksgiving weekend especially. But uh, yeah, it's it's so good, and and again, the quality of it as a documentary is incredible. Technically, right, I, and I think it does showcase Paul McCartney. He was the project manager. He was the one that actually. He talks about creative it. geniuses, but it, it was him that kept the Beatles, the Beatles for as long as they were. Yeah. Like, I mean, John was loving his life with Yoko and kind of, and again, they don't really talk about it, but he was, um, he was, this was his heroin phase, he and Yoko, and they were kind of footloose and fancy free at that point in time. Ringo was whatever. And George was done <laughs> and ready to do his own solo stuff. So yeah, I, it's funny. There's one comment in there, uh, uh, when they're talking after George has left and they're like, what do we do? And John actually goes, let's get Eric Clapton. Could you imagine if George had left the Beatles and they'd replaced him with Eric Clapton? His best none of them would have been vaccinated. I would, you know, but <laughs> other that's for sure. Yeah, well, that's, that was amazing, Howard. And thank you for putting the eight hours in. And uh, yes, yeah, good work. good work. Twice, Howard. 16 hours. All right, that was an in-depth get-back review. I loved it. We all loved it. I hope you loved it. Let us know. Tweet at us, at Jeff Jawaskin Show. All right, let's keep the musical theme going. This next one is from episode 34, Music Box Woodstock 99. Not to be confused with the newer Netflix Woodstock 99 documentary. We recommend Music Box Woodstock 99. Take it away, Roz. Woodstock yeah. 99 music box uh, on HBO yeah. Max. So the, the show is from a series called Music Box. It's created by Bill Simmons. Everybody knows the former sports guy from ESPN who was heavily involved in the creation of the ESPN 30 for 30 films uh, and has the Ringer podcast and uh, is all things sports and pop culture. My wife and I watched this this week and we absolutely loved it. It starts off talking about how uh, Woodstock, what Woodstock 69 was. And I fully, you know, remember watching the videos of Woodstock 69, hearing stories about it. And then Woodstock 94, which was so brilliantly 
received and uh, was fantastic. Included a bunch of acts that were there for Woodstock 69 as well as a bunch of others. Kind of remembered, but didn't fully remember. But Woodstock 99 was the absolute antithesis of everything from those first two Woodstocks. It was developed by two of the guys who were involved with the planning of the other films and everything about it was different. And this, it's, it's a, a documentary that's, um, it's a little bit the fire, the uh, fire festival and kind of that. So a, a bunch of things that were out of control in the production of Woodstock 99. Number one, the venue itself. They talk about the irony of the venue itself, that it was held on an Air Force base, an old Air Force base, which in and of itself, you can't imagine Woodstock 69, especially, and then 94, that was about peace and love and anti-establishment being held on an Air Force base, right? So oh, that's funny, Jerry. Very good. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so that was number one. Number two, the weather. It was ridiculously hot during the entirety of the festival, uh, and it rained overnight first night. So it created I- insane changes to what would be a more normal festival. First of all, just the access to drinking water. They talk a lot, which didn't seem like a big deal, but they talk a lot that buying a beer was the exact same price as buying a bottle of water, four bucks. So these kids were drinking beer instead of drinking bottled water, which fueled the behavior that got worse and worse during the course of the weekend. Then the facilities themselves were so shabby put together, temporary bathrooms that were all outside the main tented areas all leaked all over the place. It became sewage. But these kids who were so drunk because they were drinking beer, not water, amongst potentially other things, were saying they were rolling around in the mud, but everybody that was involved said they were rolling around in crap. It wasn't mud at all. Then they had these free drinking fountains, but the drinking fountains were next to the sewage. So uh, people were showering in them because the showers were disgusting. So there, there was that. Purity and staff, essentially, they talked about the testing that they did to get these security guards permitted to work the event, which was like an hour exam. And the question was like, do you want to be a security guard? Great. You pass. They got a yellow shirt and a credential and they went into the venue. They hid their credential, took off their yellow shirt, wore a different yellow shirt or wore a different shirt and waded into the festival for the entire weekend. They were nowhere to be found to solve any issue. Or the ones that were working the door would not allow somebody to bring their own food and beverage in, but would happily take 25 bucks to let them bring drugs, let them bring (laughs) drugs in, in their backpacks. So that was crazy. But the, Biggest issue without question was the choice of the musical acts. You know, Woodstock 69 was The Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills and Nash and Joni Mitchell. And and again, some of those acts were there for Woodstock 94 and it was other big names. Woodstock 99, like the, the one band that everybody talks about that went crazy, like they came out on stage the first night giving everybody the finger, second at giving everybody the finger was Limp Biscuit, And they just drove the insanity of the weekend. But it was Limp Biscuit, It was Corn, It was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Bush, Kid Rock, um, Metallica. It was a totally different crowd. And it was just, it was the opposite of the types of acts. And, and they, they talk about how did they not know? And then the other part of it that was amazing was MTV was there broadcasting live. And this was the point where MTV had really begun to be 
the station of Britney Spears, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. And this was not that crowd. So they were, the mere presence of MTV was riling up everybody. It was just built to explode. And by the final night, it did. They set fires all over the place. The state police had to come in and clear the entire venue uh, because it was on fire, literally. But here's the thing that they talked a little bit about, which um, not to go down a political rabbit hole, but just a tone rabbit hole, I guess. I find myself today with the climate in our country very often saying to myself, how are they so angry? And why are they so angry? And by they, I mean upper middle class white males, right? Why are they so angry? And then you look back and say, the almost the entirety of this event, Woodstock 99, was 20 to 25 year old white males, upper middle class white males. And when I look at People that I knew attended Woodstock 69 or saw interviewed that Woodstock 69 later in life. And you see the type of people that they were giving, caring, peaceful, open-minded. And then you look at the type of people that this was their formative event, Woodstock 99. You go, okay, that's where they came from. They lived for Woodstock 99 and they never stopped being angry. And that's what this event was about. It was crazy to see the the type of behavior for no reason by people that were just, you know, destroying things toward the end of the festival for no reason. They knocked down an artist created peace wall at the venue just because, just for something to do. All of that, it was a great uh, study on an event, but to me, it also became a great character study in the types of people that attended Woodstock 99 and kind of the lasting effect of it. So I thought it was fantastic. Uh, the other thing that was cool was um, I was telling Jeff earlier, uh, they interviewed Jonathan Davis from Corn, who I got to spend a day with uh, about a year and a half ago. And uh, he is one of the nicest quietest, most people guys. So watching him on stage at, in their prime to where he is uh, 20 years later was pretty cool to, to see how cool he, he had changed. But anyways, I love this documentary. I'm very excited. The other documentaries upcoming in the series, there's going to be one on the last years of DMX's life, on the legacy of Little Jagged Pill by Alanis Morissette, and a bunch. Uh, I think there's eight in total. But I love it. Jeff, you watch it too, I know. Yes, uh, DMX and Alanis Morissette, both at <laughs> Woodstock 99. I think DMX kicked it off even. Actually, they talk a lot about DMX because he did a song to a predominantly white audience that had the N-word and, and basically, as they said, gave them permission to say it back to him. Right. And the uncomfortableness that it would have created for the non-white people in the audience. But just to be clear, the the angst and you could kind of feel uh, Howard's tone during it. This is a great movie, but it's also very difficult to watch. At one point, I had to convince my wife to keep watching it. It is literally watching a group of hundreds of thousands of people turn into Lord of the Flies over a three-day period. <laughs> this is 72 hours, right? So yep. they, one of the things that they talk a lot about is a guy who eventually died at the thing from hypothermia because many people had hypothermia. They didn't have proper medical. They, they gave him paddles instead of taking his temperature because they didn't even know how to handle it and killed him. You know, many people were raped. Unknown numbers of people were molested and raped. And the interesting thing that they brought up was that there was a 
mystique put over Woodstock 69, where a lot of this also happened to Woodstock 69. But the movie that got created, everything kind of created this euphoric version of this as if all these people came together. The angst that they talk about is that, and it was interesting, I think it was Jewel that kind of said it, was uh, there was no reason for this event. In 69, there was reasons. People were galvanized around issues. There were no issues except white anger. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, uh, know, that was done by, um, led up by uh, Woodbit. Yeah, that was the other thing. The uh, the overwhelming, the treatment of women at the event, the casual sexual assault, just, you know, any woman who was passed up in the mosh pit wasn't being passed up in the mosh pit. She was being felt up by every guy that was involved in passing her up. Was there a lot of security? It just, uh, security? There, there was the security. Was there was all none. Bullshit. It was okay. basically yeah. bullshit. And, and, the, and the owners were like, we're blaming MTV for the bad press. Meanwhile, the place is going down in flames. <laughs> and they're blaming MTV. Who, who I blame Limbiscuit. At one point, MTV basically told their people, like Carson Daly, we can't even, uh, we can't even make sure that you're safe. You need Guarantee to your right protection. Right. All yeah. right. Oh, well, and thanks. sorry, that's on HBO, HBO right. and HBO Max. All right. Great job, Howard. Karen, this episode, that's Music Box Woodstock 99. That was Get Back. Sounds like you guys got a lot of homework on your hands. So I'm going to let you get to it. Hop on over to your couch, find the favorite comfy spot, grab the remote, cross your own streams, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to this special edition of Crossing the Streams. Visit us on YouTube for full episodes and catch us live every Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Now turn this off and go watch some TV. And don't forget to tell your family you'll be busy for a while. 